Today on episode number 710 of the School of Podcasting, there was a little bit of confusion at Podcast Movement Evolutions. I'm going to clear that up, and I'm going to answer the question, hey, how do you compete against these giant networks? Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where I help you launch your podcast and grow your influence. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and that will save you on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And of course, there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. Just go out to schoolofpodcasting.com. I am fresh back from San Francisco, and then the very first ever Podcast Movement Evolutions in Los Angeles, where I stayed at the uh, Millennial Built-In Hotel, which it turns out was haunted, and uh, got to watch them record a TV show in the hotel and all sorts of fun stuff. It was a great event, a lot of fun, and if you haven't figured it out, if you're a regular listener on the show... And you go, Dave, your voice sounds weird and you sound stuffed up. It's because I also picked up a cold. But what we're going to talk about today is a question I hear a lot. I I mean, I hear this one a lot. And I understand why, and especially we're going to talk about the Academy of Podcasters today a little bit. That's something that happened at Podcast uh, Evolutions. And that is, how am I supposed to compete? And what I mean by this is somebody will say, look, It's been something close to three years, and there are these other podcasters who I'm pretty sure are just buying their audience, and they're spouting these huge, gigantic numbers. I mean, how am I supposed to compete with that? And I totally get that question. And here are some things to consider. Well, first things first, you can't. And I know you're like, wait, what? But think about this. You you can't. And what I want to do here because it's a great visual, is what if you had a a 17-year-old boxer and this this person says, look, I'm going to be the champion. Well, would you take that person who's just getting into boxing and put them against the champion who's held the title for the last six years? You wouldn't put that person in the ring. They're going to get killed. The experience and the stamina, they just don't have it. That person is completely out of their league. Now, does that mean that person quits? I'm not going to get into boxing then. No, because eventually the champ is going to retire. The champ is going to get old. And let's face it. Facebook stopped being cool when your parents started using it. No young kid wants to use a platform that their parents are using it. and. I've been saying for years that Facebook will eventually not be the Facebook of today. And people are like, oh, it's too big to fail. And I go, all right, I guess we'll see. People are leaving Facebook in droves as we speak. And something's going to take its place. And so, sure, you may not be able to compete right now with whoever is the biggest, baddest, fastest podcast in your genre. But that doesn't mean in a few years, if you start Right now, you might be able to compete. And let's take uh, one of my backgrounds is 
is guitar. I've played the guitar for many, many years. I definitely couldn't do it right now, but if you put a gun to my head and the song's in my key, I might try to sing it, but I'm not going to compete with Ed Sheeran, who's very, very popular with the youngsters today and plays stadiums, and he kind of just plays the guitar and sing. Well, he started in, and, and you might say, well, He's been in the music business since uh, 2011. And if you dig a little deeper, you find out now he's been in the music business since 2004. And so he's got 16 years ahead of me. But can I compete against the other person that's in my area to get the gig at the local coffee shop? Yeah, I can compete against that person. And I realize that I always explain to people that it takes about three years to build an audience, at least in the examples that I find. And I have people that say, but I've been podcasting for for three years, Dave. And you know people who are really making a a difference with their podcast at that three-year mark. I've mentioned them. There's Natalie Ekdahl and Biz Chicks and Darren Dake at the Corner Podcast. And there, there are others. And so when you say, I've been doing it for three years, I go, "Uh uh-huh. But there are two things to think about. We never know what's going on behind the scenes of a podcast. You might have a job or two. You might have a spouse or two, I guess if you're Mormon. And you might have some kids. The other podcast might not have any of those. As in zero, can you imagine how much free time you would have to promote your show if you didn't have any other activities and could focus on your podcast 100% of the time? So when you look at two podcasters from the outside, it looks like they're the same thing. But one person might have an insane amount of time to work on their show where you have this other thing called life. So keep that in mind that they also might have a background in selling and your background is in teaching. And you wonder, how come they're selling so much more stuff and you're not? Again, from the outside, it looks like the same two podcasts, but they're not. The other thing that I say you can't compete with is I want to play you a clip from Radiolab, radiolab.org. It's a very, very popular podcast. Listen to what they play at the end of their show. Hi, this is Deborah from San Francisco, California. Radiolab is created by Jad Abumrad with Robert Krulwich and produced by Soren Wheeler. Dylan Keefe is our director of sound design. Susie Lechtenberg is our executive producer. Our staff includes Simon Adler, Becca Bressler, Rachel Cusick, David Gabell, Bethel Hopti, Tracy Hunt, Matt Kilty, Annie McEwen, Latif Nasser, Sarah Kari, Ariane Wack, Pat Walters, and Molly Webster. With help from Shima Olili, W. Harry Fortuna, Sarah Sandvak, Melissa O'Donnell, Tad Davis, and Russell Gragg. Our fact checker is Michelle Harris. And I'd really like to add, I will miss you, Robert. Now, if you lost track, that was 20 five people to make a podcast. And we've talked about this in the past where this is a company that spends years making a single episode 
and they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a single episode. And can I compete with that? Well, on one hand, you want to say, no, that's not fair. 25 versus one. I'm a team of one. But I believe it was 2005-ish. I don't remember exactly because I lost. But it was the, back when there were podcast movement awards, I was up for one in the technology category against Reply All, which is another podcast that probably has 10 to 20 people that help put it together. So yes, I was competing against them. I also had my Logical Weight Loss podcast compete against Jillian Michaels. So can we compete? Yeah. The minute you turn on your microphone, you are competing. And some of those things that the team of 25 have, you don't really need. I mean, do we really need original music? Do I need the associate producer of the director of the whatever, whatever? I mean, some of that, I mean, look, let's let's not, uh, I don't want to degrade it. It's great production. It is like extra icing on the cake. But let's face it. If you have nothing but icing, you kind of still need some cake, too. I mean, have you ever heard Cereal Season 2? That's a lot of icing. And in my opinion, even though they, they put a lot of work into it, not a great cake. So let's talk about two things that kill a podcast. The first one, and I've mentioned this before, babies. They are so selfish it's all about them all they do is scream feed me feed me wipe my butt i want a nap i want another nap i need you to wipe my butt again they can really be so selfish it just gets on your nerves you're like look daddy's trying to record a podcast here now obviously i'm kidding but the other thing that will kill your podcast that is at the heart of this is comparing your podcast to others. When you say, how do I compete? You are comparing your show to others. And that can do really, really bad things to your mindset. And when you do really, really bad things to your mindset, in some cases you'll quit. But there are three things that you need to create good content. Your attitude your health, and the support of those around you. And I've talked about those that that topic in the past. I'll have a link out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 710 if you want to dig deep into that. But in the end, I always say, treat your podcast like it's golf or bowling. You are up against your last episode, and you want this one to be a little better than the last one. I am a co-host of the Podcasters Roundtable with Daniel J. Lewis and Ray Ortega. And technically, both of those people are my, quote, competition. But they're not. Why? Because you can listen to me on Monday, Daniel on Tuesday, and Ray on Wednesday. As long as you deliver value, you're safe, and you don't have to worry about losing out to other podcasts. Let's talk about buying an audience. People will say, well, they're just buying their audience. 
And I want to point out, while you can buy an opportunity for people to hear your show, you can't pay them to listen. Your podcast, it needs to provide value so they will come back because they want more. Got a couple quick examples of this. Holly Berry is beautiful. If you don't know the actress Holly Berry, she's hot. She's mega hot. She's like, wow, hot. And in 2004, they put her in a Catwoman suit. And they spent a million dollars to make a Catwoman movie. And they lost $18 million. That movie only made, only made $82 million. But the last time I checked, when you take $100 million to make 82, that is a loss of 18. And on Rotten Tomatoes, where you get a ranking of 1 to 100, that particular movie, with 197 people voting, got a score of 9. They tried to buy an audience, and it didn't work. Here's another one. In 2009, Disney. Come on, Disney. Like, capital D, Disney worked on a movie called John Carter, and it's based on a really popular book. And according to Wikipedia, it's the most expensive movie ever created. It had a super popular book. It's kind of a sci-fi fantasy thing. It had this young, super hot actor from uh, Friday Night Lights, which was a very popular TV show here in the States. And they lost two hundred million dollars on that movie you cannot buy an audience why why did this movie tank so bad upon release it received mixed critical reception in other words it it really wasn't very good they had great visuals they had a great soundtrack they had a great action sequence but the biggest criticism was towards the characterization and a thing that you might have heard of for movies called the plot You kind of need a good plot. You need a good story. It's the content. It's delivering value. And apparently, this movie didn't do any of that. And it lost them $200 million. Who? Again, Disney. Disney. And I remember seeing all the ads for that movie. It wasn't that they didn't promote it either. So when you say it's not fair, they're buying the audience. You can't buy an audience. And before you go start spending money to grow your audience, because I I know you can turn to Facebook, you can buy ads in Spotify, and now I believe Castro, and you're trying to get the word out about your show. Makes sense to me. But... Remember, you can't buy an audience. An audience is someone who comes back for more. So before you go losing $200 million, you better find some people not named Mom to listen to your show. Hey, in a minute, I'm going to tell you how you can compete with big networks. But right now, I want to share a story. I was on Facebook, and I was contacted by a random person who had jumped into podcasting. They had a media host. But it turns out that they didn't buy the right plan for their show. They were out of space. They didn't know how to export 
their podcast in the right format. And I believe they were also using the wrong format for their artwork. And I'm just here to say podcasting can be fun. It can be fulfilling when you don't have to bang your head against a wall to release a single episode. And this person was just going down the wrong path. And at the School of Podcasting, we show you in videos how to export your show in the proper format. We show you how to order the right plan for your podcast so your media host matches your strategy. We help you podcast frustration-free. For more information, go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start and use the coupon code LISTENER. That's schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-A-S-T-E-N-E-R. And don't forget, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So how do you compete with a big network? Because, Dave, I'm confused. You said you can't. Now you say you can. Well, there are some things that you can do that they can't. And the first one is answer every email. And in my travels, they don't. What are my travels? Well, I've, I've reached out to the team at Serial when it was in its heyday. Never got a reply. Mark Marin, big fan of his podcast was going to go to a show, and I said, hey, Mark's in Cleveland. I don't know what he does during the day, but if he's bored, I would love to come interviewing for 20 minutes. And you know what he said? I don't know either because they didn't reply. So you can answer every email. And look, you know that I know that you know that I know that you're just you. But when you reply, You are replying as the host of the podcast. Oh, my gosh. The host of the podcast. The other thing you can do is get your audience on the phone. In the book, Superfans, and also, I just got done listening to the Colin Morgan interview on Podcast Junkies. That's done by my buddy, Harry Duran. Uh, Superfans is a book by Pat Flynn, and they talk about reaching out to random members of their audience via phone. Now you're like, wait a minute, I want to put my phone number on the internet, and that's good because you don't want to do that because people are creepy. But what you could do is you could get a Google Voice number, and I'll have a link in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 710. You could also get a uh, a phone number from podcastvoicemail.com. Google is free, Podcast Voicemail is not, but you could get an 800 number and have that forward to your actual phone, kind of keeping your number private. And you could just reach out to people and say, hey, uh, what are you looking for in the show? What do you like about the show? Because if the question is, how do you provide great content? The answer is you have to know who your audience is. And how do you know what they want? Well, You have to talk to them. Here's another way to think about this. You are a jet ski. You can take off. You can go in any direction super quick, super fast. Hairpin turns, turn on a dime, turn and go. You're good to go. Your competition is more like a cruise ship. Can't turn on a dime. I mean, they got a lot of steam going. When they get going, they get going but they cannot turn on a dime and meet the needs of 
your audience. If your competition is huge, you can actually go to where your audience is. And in some cases, if their show is so big, they can't go out in public. They're kind of stuck. They're kind of like the Beatles. I remember when I was at VidCon, there were certain people there that had kind of uh, uh, an entourage, you know, kind of uh, bodyguard type situations to keep the audience away. You're not in that situation. One of the things I really loved about podcast movement evolutions is I got done with my sessions and sat there for a good hour and a half and just answered questions with my audience. And those questions are going to be used in future episodes. One of them is this episode. So that's a cool thing that in some cases you can do that your competition can't. And the other thing you want to do is be sure to poll your audience. And this could be as simple as what do you like about the show? What do you wish I would do differently? Uh, Another great question is how did you learn about the podcast so you can do more of that? So you can do things that your competition can't. And that's what you got to kind of figure out. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are the strengths of my competition? And what are the weaknesses of my competition? Because you don't want to try to battle your competition doing what they do best because you'll get crushed. You'll be that young boxer in the ring with the champ. That doesn't make any sense. And I know you're probably going, Dave, you said there isn't any competition, and yet you keep using the word competition. I am aware, but you know what I mean by this. (laughs) The other thing you have to really keep in mind here is in many cases in podcasting, there is more than one way to measure success. And it always comes back to why did you start your podcast? And if your podcast is, I want to sit in the basement and talk with my friends about the stuff we used to talk about growing up. And I can go, are you doing that? And they could go, yes. Your show is successful. Just because somebody comes in and go, hey, we just got 50 million downloads in 10 seconds. Quit comparing your show to others. It could also be comments on your website. If you're trying to engage your audience, if you're trying to get feedback, it might be comments on your website. Wow, we got a ton of comments on this episode. That might be a way to judge your success. It could be email responses. It could be social interactions, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Or it could be business metrics like new customers. Can I share something with you? In December of 2019, I did more business, but yet actually had slightly less downloads. And if I just looked at my downloads, I'd be like, oh, what am I going to do? Where's my audience? But what's the goal of this show? To inspire you to start a podcast using the school of podcasting. So keep that in mind that there are so many ways to judge success. And the bottom line of all of this is when it comes to, and I'm going to put up air quotes here, competing against these big networks, quit comparing yourself to big networks. Compare yourself to other shows similar to yours, and instead of trying to compete with them, partner with them. Maybe do some cross-promotion, and maybe you both can work together 
to grow your audience together. Because when you compare yourself to others, especially to another podcast that has a team of 25, that's just going to suck the life out of you. So those are some things to remember. Remember, you're a jet ski. They're a giant cruise ship. And you can do things that they can't. And that will, over time, grow your audience. Hey, if you are stuck on the technology part of launching your podcast, I have a free webinar. It's going to be February 26th called The Right Podcast Equipment. And it's absolutely free. Go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash webinar. We're only allowing 100 people because, well, that's the webinar package I have. And I think we're up to 68. So if you plan on going, it will be recorded. You can watch the recording. Again, it's super simple. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash webinar. All right. We had some shenanigans kind of at Podcast Movement Evolutions. Let's start with the positive, shall we? Wondery, which is a company with 82 employees and revenues, according to growjo.com, of around $15 million a year, organized a new Academy of Podcasters and will launch a Golden Mic Awards in 2021. Now, per their website, the Academy is professionally run by an executive director and account manager. These roles are overseen by a volunteer board of governors who set the strategic vision and goals of the organization. 17 founding members will establish the organization and guide its initial creation with a goal of one, moving the golden mics into a key recognition position, and two, encouraging growth and networking of the academy and the industry. Members are individuals in the podcast industry who are part of one of the Academy peer groups. Each peer group will vote on its respective category for the golden mic. And they announced at the event that you are welcome to join the Academy. There will be a $100 fee. And the uh, members on the board consist of companies like Spotify, NPR, PRX, Tenderfoot TV, Stitcher, Wondery, Sony Music. I'm not sure what Sony Music has to do with podcasting, but okay. You know, again, it's a big company. The Criminal Podcast, Soak Media, UTA's head of emerging platforms, and an independent person that I researched and found out that they previously worked at PRX. So it's great that big companies with big budgets are going to be promoting podcasting. That's a good thing. And does this mean that it's going to be just like the Wondery Spotify Awards? Maybe. But also, maybe not. And the thing that kind of caused the controversy here is people in these other industries that are coming into podcast they need to learn how to use a thing. You may have heard of it. It will search the entire internet. It's called Google. And as a, an ex-teacher, well, I'm still a teacher. I just teach in a different format. But I learned that a large amount of your success 
is by how you start off a class. So you have to let people know they're in the right place. You have to let people know where you're going. You have to let them know when you're going to do bathroom breaks and the fact that they're going to get to go to lunch. All this stuff to rest any kind of concerns they have. And over the years, different media companies, whether it's Steve Jobs calling podcasting amateur hour, or I forget the one example. I wish I could remember who this was. Someone once said there weren't any women pioneers in podcasting. And I'm like, hello, Mer Lafferty, Mignon Fogarty, anybody? Bueller? The presentation, which was done by the CEO of Wondery, who has a career, used to be on Fox on TV, so he's got a media background. But he actually explained the story how there were people on an island, and then eventually the aliens came and kind of saved them and showed them how to make money. And I guess, you know, not a lot of money being made, maybe before some of these big groups, so maybe they have a point. But also, it kind of, hmm, you know, when we're sitting here kind of thinking that, you know, sometimes these people like iHeartRadio saying they were the first podcast award show. No, all they had to do is go to podcastawards.com and see that there's been the People's Choice Podcast Awards since 2005 run by Todd Cochran, who has had death threats by doing that that event. And so when you kind of just ignore it, can you see where that would be offensive? Maybe just a little. And so there was an article this week in Bloomberg that said podcasting was born in the halls of public radio. Podcasting is, has emerged as one of the fastest growing businesses in media over the past few years. Wow, that's great to say about podcasting, except one thing. It wasn't born in the halls of public radio. It was born in a hotel room with Dave Weiner and Adam Curry. And in the past, I just let this stuff kind of roll off my back. You're like, ah, there's somebody not doing any research. But it's one thing to kind of slightly disrespect the past. And it's another thing to completely erase it. So when they say things like, this was the first one, you're kind of erasing the past. And I always try to understand before being understood. And so I approached the CEO of Wondery. His name's uh, Hernan Lopez. And I said, uh, you know, you kind of said there weren't any awards. And he said, no, no, no. I said there weren't any completely peer-based, not-for-profit, fully representative awards. And I go, yeah, those have existed since 2005. And to his credit, when he realized he had made a mistake, he apologized. He said, I wasn't trying to offend anyone. And I'm like, okay. But there was a part of me that wanted to go, have you ever heard of Google? Now, the one thing I want to make very clear here is I'm not saying get off my lawn. again. These are big companies with big budgets that are going to put a spotlight on podcasting. That's a good thing. And I know we could all say, is this just going to be the Wondery Awards and the Spotify Awards and the maybe, but it could also not be. He really made it sound like he wanted this to be an inclusive of everybody. And I don't know the guy, so let's give him the benefit of the doubt. So again, I'm not here to say 
get off my lawn. I'm just saying Mark Maron didn't invent podcasting, nor did Serial. And if you want me to greet you with open arms, it would be much easier if you would kind of, I don't know, can you stop kicking me in the nads? That would be nice. To the best of my knowledge, the Academy of Podcasters, which controls the Hall of Fame, is still in existence. And that was the problem. There was a tweet to Hernan that said, hey, what about the previous? Because they have the Podcast Academy. Previously, there was the Academy of Podcasters, which has the Hall of Fame, which has, well, me as of 2018. And it's kind of a bummer because the Hall of Fame is on hiatus because we couldn't get a sponsor, to which I want to go, how expensive are these award shows? And apparently the answer is quite a bit. Because again, I spoke to Dan Franks about this and he goes, yeah, you're looking at, you know, thousands of dollars. I was like, oh, okay. So it was one tweet where somebody said, hey, what happened to the Academy of Podcasters? And the Hall of Fame. And the CEO said, yes, we asked, we checked. Those had been closed. And what he meant was the award show, the podcast movement podcast awards have been shut down, not the Hall of Fame. And we're hoping in the future that whatever it takes to get the podcast awards, or not the podcast awards, the Hall of Fame back up and going, it does kind of take the wind out of your sails when the really awesome award that you get can't get any sponsorship. That was kind of uh, different. So all in all, Podcast Movement Evolutions was a lot of fun for me. It's always like summer camp. I really enjoyed meeting a lot of people there, coming up to the Libsyn booth. Can I say this? I did meet somebody who had seen me at different shows and had never stopped to say hi. I hope I am super approachable. I love meeting people that listen to this show if that is you please if we're at an event please stop by and say hi uh, i would love to uh to meet you uh and as far as i know i'm pretty harmless speaking of uh, meeting people at places i will be at the spark christian conference that is february 21st through the 22nd that's right around the corner and that is in houston texas and then i will be at podfest Check that out, podfest. or podfestexpo.com. I'll be speaking there as well as working the Libsyn booth. And let's not forget the question of the month, because that is also right around the corner. I need your answer by the 21st of 2020, February 21st, 2020. And the question of the month is, if you had that, who is going to listen to me? If you had that in your mind and you overcame that and How? How did you do that? How did you tell that voice to go away in your head? Because we know there are people that are uh, having that voice stop them. How did you overcome it? And of course, don't forget to mention your podcast and your website. You can submit it by going to schoolofpodcasting.com slash questions. So thanks so much for tuning in. I uh, hope to have a better voice the next time you hear me. And I'm not contagious when we work over the internet, and I would love to help you start a podcast. Go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start, use the coupon code LISTENER, and sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And of course, there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. Until next week, take care, God bless, class, 
is dismissed.